And so hello, New Life. Uh, it has been so long since we have been together. Too long, in fact. Uh, and while we've been uh, apart, um, my hair grew. Uh, the, the hair on my chin actually got a little bit more gray. Um, my glasses got thicker. And my title changed. So my name is Red Sevilla. I'm now the launch director, launch pastor of New Life East, this new congregation that's going to be forming in Long Island. And we're excited as well because there is now a new executive director for New Life CDC. Her name is Tiffany Koch. She started uh, very recently. And in fact, in the near future, Rich on Facebook Live will be having a conversation with her as a way of you getting to know her more. And so today, um, I'd like to do this uh, very challenging task and give a reflection over the past, of the past 10 years in 20 to 30 minutes or so. And so this, the title is 10 Years, uh, Four Big Learnings. And uh, why, am I, why am I doing this? I have made huge mistakes. And hopefully by offering some of these learnings, maybe I could spare some of you some heartache. And in the process, also honor uh, the, the elders, uh, the CDC board. Um, I want to thank these uh, men and women for their support over the past 10 years. And also, I just want to say thank you to uh, the, these program heads of New Life CDC programs. These folks have been uh, so giving uh, in their work in the neighborhood. I mean, I, I spent so many years with them on the ground, and so thank you. And also to the volunteers and supporters, uh, it has been such a joy. What a ride these past 10 years. And so with gratitude, I say uh, it has been such a privilege. And so I offer these uh, these reflections over the past 10 years, four learnings. Uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for our time together now. And I pray that as I simply offer these, these learnings, these reflections, that you simply use them to further your kingdom. Use it, Lord God, to draw people unto yourself, even as they hear it. I pray these things through the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's just uh, jump, jump right in. The first learning is in uh, Matthew 25. And so this is Jesus speaking. Uh, and let me re just read these verses to you in chapter 25, starting in verse 35. Jesus speaks. He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the people to whom he was speaking said, when, when did this happen? When were you naked? Uh, when did you need food? When were you thirsty? Uh, at which point Jesus responds, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And so this passage touches on this key ingredient in community development and specifically its service among the poor, among the marginalized. And Jesus actually elevates this work when he says that when you do it to one of these, you do it to me. What a special work that would be. And so when I parked on this passage, I said, sign me up for that. Sign me up. And it wasn't long in these past 10 years when it quickly became quite overwhelming. In the first year, in fact, I remember this one family who uh, was being unlawfully evicted from their home. It was a quite a large family. And in that family, the dad had recently died. And the mom was trying to make ends meet by trying to sell food at a local train station, continually getting tickets from law enforcement. And then she actually had a daughter who was a teen mom. And then her other son was actually also in trouble with law enforcement. And so quickly, the needs uh, were so overwhelming. And it's like the the things that we wanted to do for this family was, it was like, they were like drops in a bucket in an ocean of need. And I felt so helpless, I recall. And I wonder if you might be able to identify with me just in this pandemic, when you see 
the kind of suffering that's around you, when you see the need that's out out there, people with no work, no jobs, no money, they're backed up in rent, and it can easily feel overwhelming. And it's actually in that context that this passage gives tremendous hope if you seek to do something about it. And how it gives hope is because Jesus says, if you go to the next line, I'll just underline that. It says, truly, I say to you, as you did it to just one, to one of these, the least of my brothers, you do it to me. And so imagine if Jesus said, whatever you do to all these people, all the need that you see, whatever you do to all these populations, you do for me. That would be so daunting, so overwhelming. And yet, what does Jesus say? He says, whatever you do for just one. And so I've heard it said in the past, just like this next slide says, says, do for one what you hope to do for all. Simply do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Do for one. What a significant learning for me. And so this learning actually has a few very, very important implications. The first is that because the the highlight is to just focus on one, we all can get involved. And so we don't need to rely on nonprofits. The call is actually for each of us to be walking nonprofits, looking to serve just one. Because it's so, it's so easy to outsource this kind of work, isn't it? Oh, let's let city government take care of these kind of services. Let's let nonprofit organizations do it. Or let me let church leadership take care of this. But actually the call is for us to do for one what we wish we could do for all. The call is for us to be walking nonprofits, It's as if we're walking New Life CDCs whose mission is to simply do for one what we hope to do for all. And so that's one implication. Another very significant implication of doing service for one is this. Beware of the American dream. If you endeavor to live a life marked with service Beware of the negative influence of the American dream. Because at least in my experience, as you do this life of service, the American dream will tirelessly work against you. And so what do I mean? Let me just define the American dream here. Uh, it's, It's financial opportunity and material comfort for me and my family gained through hard work. And many times we come up with a picture of a nice home, nice cars, beautiful neighborhood amenities. And so why beware? Because though that dream is not bad in itself, it makes no mention of generosity. It makes no mention of volunteering. It makes no mention of service for the express benefit of others it makes no mention of sacrificial giving for the weak and for the vulnerable. And according to the American dream, the ones that you're to serve are you and your family. Everybody else is not in that picture. And so we've, we've heard this. Uh, How many times have you heard? Wow. Look at that family. What a huge home. That is an awesome swimming pool. What beautiful cars. They're living the American dream. Haven't you heard that? Well, how how about this? Wow. Check out that couple. They're visiting people in prison. Or wow, look at that group of people. They're actually using their properties to be able to house the homeless. They're living the American dream. Said no one ever. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. And so if you endeavor to simply live out Matthew 25, watch out for the negative influences of the American dream as you seek to serve and focus on just one. 
The second, second learning. If the first is um, do service for one, the second is share power with one. In Acts chapter 6, we read about Peter, one of the apostles, and his own uh, wrestling with whether to keep power or to actually share it with the vulnerable, to share it with the overlooked, to share it with the underdogs. And the issue in Acts chapter 6 uh, is actually access to food. There was a food distribution system that was going on that actually overlooked the Greeks, these vulnerable Greeks. And so the Greeks complained to the Hebrews, of which Peter was a part. And so it turns out that this system that they had was actually favoring one ethnic group over another. And today, uh, when you read this Acts chapter 6 passage, it really should not be a surprise to the modern reader that a system can overlook some while privileging others. We shouldn't be surprised by this. We see current systems that benefit some while penalizing others. Systems in the housing industry, in healthcare, in education, in access to technology. Uh, we, we, we see the disparities in our culture. In fact, just, this was just a few weeks ago. There were these four, uh, four friends of mine who made friends with a young homeless person in the neighborhood. And this young homeless individual actually wanted to start a bank account. And so just focusing on one, wanting to do service for one, um, these four friends of mine uh, went to the bank to be able to help this person start a bank account. For with all of their skill and talent and capacity, they could not open a bank account with this person. They, they couldn't. It was actually just opening a bank account, the system that we currently have, poses a very real barrier for so many people. And then over the past uh, years, I would ask myself, well, why is it that it's so easy for me not to actually do anything about this? Though I was somewhat aware of these barriers for so many in our city. And let me introduce you to this term that I use. It's something that I made up, and please forgive the crassness uh, of this, but it's called Jimsy. Jimsy is simply good for me, sucks for you. Again, forgive the crassness, but I'm just trying to drive home a point. Jimsy is, is, is a system, a scenario, a condition that actually benefits me and it puts up barriers for you. Good for me, stinks for you. It's a gypsy. And I guarantee that many of us watching, you're in gypsies and you don't even know it. In fact, this, this unfairness that you see in many sectors of our city, this unfairness actually won't, it won't bother you. It will not bother you until you move close enough to those who are overlooked, to those who have been marginalized, to actually hear about their pain, their grief, and their suffering. Otherwise, chances are you, you probably won't do anything about it. Why? Because it's good for me, sucks for you. It's a gypsy. And if you look at Acts chapter 6, Peter was in a gypsy. He was in a system that was good for him, and it hurt the vulnerable Greeks until he actually got close enough to the overlooked where he heard their complaints. And then what did he do? It's the second learning. He shared power. He shared power. And notice if you go back to that, let's read that in Acts chapter six, verse three. Uh, this is Peter um, talking. He said, choose seven men from among you. Not from among the dominant culture, but from among you who have been overlooked. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. Sharing power. And notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, the food is going around. What kind of conspiracy theory is this? Or he didn't say, stop complaining. Or he didn't say, 
You've got to work harder for you to get food. He didn't say any of those things. And he didn't say, it's got to be your fault. He didn't say that. What did he do? He shared power. And then as I began to reflect on this, um, why, why didn't he simply assign some people, get the job done, maintain power that he already had? And if you read through Acts chapter 6, it was partly because he wanted to focus on other things uh, in the work. Yes. But I, I think one of the reasons why Peter actually shared power is because Jesus did the same with him. Jesus did the same with him in sharing power. And if you're willing to accept it, Jesus, before he came to this earth, was in a gym sea as well. Ruling in heaven, there are people suffering on earth. But he doesn't stay in that, in, in that scenario. He doesn't stay in heaven. He comes down. He actually gives up his privileges. And what does he do? He comes down and he gives up his life for the overlooked, for the marginalized for the weak. And then when he gives up his life at the cross, this gypsy switches. He doesn't say this is good for me. It stinks for you. He said, this is good for you. This is suffering for me. And so he shares his power when he resurrects and he sends his Holy spirit, a power that is still available today. And so even after this service, if you've recognized that you've been uh, overlooked or you are hurting, this power is available to you. And, and by way of application, if, if that's you, if you feel like you've been the underdog, if you feel like you've been the one overlooked, the power of the spirit of Jesus Christ can fill you. And so receive prayer. After the service today. And another uh, application is maybe, maybe after hearing this, you might be thinking, you know what? I might be in a gym seat based on my income, class, gender, skin color. Would it be possible that it's time for you to explore how to get close to those who have been overlooked so that you can actually hear the pain and the suffering that you might explore what it means to share privilege and power. Third, um, third learning. The third learning is actually in, in Mark chapter 16, where it reads, go into all the world and preach the gospel or good news to all creation, go into all the world and preach the gospel or the good news. Now, this, this brought a conflict for me in the early years because just like I talked about in, in the first learning, Matthew 25 talks about service. Um, it doesn't talk about any words spoken even, but yet Mark 16 is talking about preaching. And so do I serve and focus on that or do I preach? And this brought a little tension for me. Um, and some might be saying, well, why don't you do both? Well, it was hard. And you might identify with me. You know, you, you see someone on the street who's hungry, you buy them a sandwich, and then, you know, you're focusing on one, you buy them a sandwich. Do you also tell them about the good news of Jesus? Or, or do you just give the sandwich? And so I had this conflict. Do I, do I preach or just serve? I, I don't want this person to think it's some kind of bait and switch. Sometimes it just feels awkward, you know? Or sometimes I'm just fearful of, of rejection. And so there was actually this one quote that many of you are familiar with, uh, commonly attributed to St. Francis. And it says, uh, this gave me a lot of comfort. It says, Preach the gospel at all times using words, if necessary. And so that provided such relief because 
the implied message is that I can preach the gospel simply with my actions and only use words if required. And so for years, uh, I did these good works uh, without the intentional verbal explanation or proclamation of good news. Until several years ago, when I saw the flaw in how I believed this quote. Why? It is virtually impossible to share good news without using words. A silly example. Best Buy says, in the next two days, we're going to give out free TVs. And then the management of Best Buy says, share this good news using words if necessary. How do you do, how do, you do that? Or, or a more serious example. Let's say you come across a prayer, a prayer group uh, in the pandemic, and you find out that there are people who are getting healed of COVID-19 symptoms uh, after receiving prayer. Or you have, let's say you have a scientist friend who uh, discovered a vaccine to COVID. And then the leaders of this prayer group or your scientist friend says, listen, Share this good news. Use words if necessary. You've got to be some pretty good charades player for you to be able to do that. It's virtually impossible to share good news without using words. And so the third learning, tell the good news. That was my third learning. Tell of the good news. Tell, tell of the one. Jesus Christ, the Savior. And here's, here's another example. I recently parked on this, in this verse in Acts 3.19, and it touches on the good news of Jesus. It reads, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that your sins might be wiped clean. You could start a new chapter in your life. You can have a new slate. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That touches on the good news. Imagine if I said, share this good news using words if necessary. <laughs> That's laughable to me now as I, as I think about it. And so, why is this, why is this so critical? This, this is so significant in today's, uh, in, in, in our day, in our current day and age right now. Because, because of all the, the, the national and local unrest about uh, racial justice, about immigration, about gender equity, we, we are so uh, bombarded through our media outlets with bad news. We are thirsting for good news, aren't we? We thirst for good news. And as more and more, especially young people, I can't believe I just use young people. Um, shows that I'm getting older. Um, as more and more people just get engaged with justice work, more and more people will find out how exhausting this is. Bad news again? This is exhausting. Another black man shot in the back again? Another undocumented immigrant taken advantage of again. Another woman disrespected in the workplace again. It is exhausting. It's exhausting. And amidst of it all, people are thirsting to hear good news. Words being very necessary. And so here are just a few it seems like this work for justice never ends. But there is one. There is one who promises that he will finish the work. Because there are some of you who believe that, that justice comes through your own hands. That belief will drive you to the ground. It will burn you out. But the good news is that there is one named Yeshua, named Jesus, who makes a promise 
that one day all the things that you see wrong in this world will be finally made right. One day he will finish the job. And there are, there are some of you who need to hear this because one day, read through Revelation chapter 21. One day, all the things that you see wrong will be made right. Racism will be a thing of the past. Classism, ageism, sexism, these things will be things of the past. Deportations will cease. Protests on the street will turn to praise unto him who says, I will finish the job. I will finish it. In fact, the small advances that we make or even produce in this world, these small advances in justice, in justice are, are mere appetizers of the fullness of justice and peace that is to come through him. And as we anticipate that day, because of the presence, the current presence, the very presence of Jesus Christ, those who have been wronged by racism can receive hope. Those who are suffering can receive comfort. And those who are tired and weary can receive rest. Tell of the one. Proclaim the good news of Jesus, everyone. Using words is quite necessary. And so last one, a fourth, fourth learning. If, if the third is tell of the one, the fourth is you trust, you trust in the one. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, uh, Jesus spoke these words of comfort. In Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, verse 28, in the next slide, he says, Come to me, this is Jesus talking, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What words of comfort? And so you know what I found in my years serving under New Life CDC? I would quote this with my lips, but I did not trust the promise of Jesus in my heart. My, my actions were, were communicating, don't come to Jesus, come to red, and I will give you rest. At one point, my workload was so intense, it was like I was serving all instead of just looking to focus on one. I actually listed down some of the things I was responsible over in a season. I was over the building. We were, we were doing the renovation of the full facade, uh, looking over the finances of the church and New Life CDC, fundraising close to a million dollars. I subbed in for preaching, developing new programs for New Life CDC. It was nuts. I mean, my action simply showed that I saw myself as Lord. And work was my new mistress. It's like this new spouse that I had. I was united with my work. And so I, I even recall uh, there was this one season when, when I was working, I was working on a grant, really large grant, putting in a lot of hours. And a few days before the deadline, the funders come and they said, you can actually access more funding. And so I said, wow, more funding. This would be great for local families. And so I said to myself, well, if I take on this new work, it would mean that I would have to skip more family dinners. Should I do it? It's great for families, but it might hurt my own family. Ah, let me go for it. Sadly enough. And so the stress level rose, the anxiety rose. I hurt my family in the process. And during that season, I felt like God asked me a question. And you know, when, when you sense God is asking you a question, he's not looking for answers. He's looking to bring revelation. And he said, Red, what are you doing? And I said, Lord, I'm doing your work. I'm working for families. Are you going to help me? And then he asked a, a follow-up question. Well, what if you didn't apply for that additional funding? And then the thought that came through my mind was actually quite embarrassing for me. I thought to myself, without me, 
these families would fail. And so I saw, uh, I didn't trust in Jesus as savior. I didn't trust in Jesus saying, come to me and I will give you rest. I replaced him with me as savior and God is my assistant. And so I replaced this service to the community with this slavery to work and hurt my family in the process and my wife in the process. And I, I realized there were, there are these false masters that come in that try to replace Christ. And for me, that false master was me success. These are false, false masters. And for, for you, there might be false masters as well. It might be money. It might be control, success, comfort, good health, where these things are saying, come to me. And only when you have me, will you find rest? And they, they whisper those things. Come, money says, come to me. Success says, come to me. And they deceive us. And you know why they deceive us? Because they're not evil in themselves. They're actually good things. But they're not gods. And you know how these things control you? They, they bring anxiety, fear at the thought of losing them. But think of Jesus for a moment. When Jesus came, he... he he showed what a true God is like. He came to those without money, to those without control, to those without success, to those without health. And he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. And even in this pandemic, we see that those things, money, success, good health, they're easily lost. And we saw that in the past several months. Meanwhile, Jesus remains trustworthy. Trust in the one. And so just as a way of tying these four together, let me end it with this quick um, story. Do, do service for one, share power with one, tell of the one, trust in the one. Um, you can put up these, uh, th those photos as a way of just me ending. Um, this is actually a pictures of a, of a recent baptism. And this gentleman was somebody uh, that we met at a local restaurant. Um, my wife and I tried to invest in local businesses. And so we got to know this one waiter in a local restaurant. And um, we just focused on one. We got to know him. This is starting several years back. And so we got to know him. And as a way of sharing power, um, I, I wanted to hear what his story was like. And recognizing that, uh, he was having a lot of uh, immigration issues as well as personal and health issues as well. And so I wanted to move close enough to see what might, what might it mean to be able to share power. And then thirdly, I was intentional about telling of the one. And so I, I shared with him the good news of Jesus Christ, that he can have a new chapter in his life. I didn't hear from him for weeks, um, actually months. And he recently got in touch with me and he said, hey, Red, um, I want to meet up with you. And usually when folks out of the blue want to meet up with me, um, it's usually because they want to hear more about God or they have something to sell. And so I braced myself for both, actually. And so we met up and he wanted to learn more about God. And he wanted a closer, a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I told him about the good news and he was ready to receive and he received Christ as his savior, as his Lord. And he actually wanted to be baptized. And he said to me, and he doesn't know me well. He said, after doing some research, read, can you baptize me in a bathtub? And then I said to him, did you know that uh, I've baptized people in, in my bathtub? Did you know that? Did I tell you that? And he said, no. And then he, he knew that this must mean that God is truly leading him to meet me and my wife. And so this was just last Thursday where he received this baptism as a sign of new life. And then as a sign of him putting his trust in the one, he said something that was familiar with people working in the restaurant industry. He said, Red, I am now under new management.
He's now placed his trust in the one. Amen. And so let me just quickly pray as I give it over to Rich, who leads us in communion. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Father, I thank you that you are trustworthy, that you have a message that is worth telling. And thank you, Lord God, that when we meditate on these truths, that truly we will serve one as if serving you, looking to share power with those who are weak and vulnerable. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Amen. Amen. And Reg, just stay here for one moment here. Uh, we have uh, much to be grateful for, uh, for Red and his leadership. And before we actually go into a time of communion, and so folks, you can just start uh, getting ready for that in your homes. Uh, we actually had a little video to show of words of appreciation, Red, uh, for you. And so we're going to play a video, and then we're going to pray for Red. And then we're going to go into a time of communion. And so, wow, uh, go ahead. I did not know this. You did not know that. Well, this here fantastic. we are. <laughs> Thank you. So go ahead and hit that video and then we're going to uh, pray for Red. Red, we are so thankful for you. And I personally am thankful for you. When I became the lead pastor in 2013, you were right by my side doing so many different things, so many different roles you had from CDC to building to finance to staff. And um, I could not have asked for a better person to be working next to. And so I'm grateful for you, all the hard work you've done and for what's uh, to come through the leadership that you offer. And may God uh, just fill you with a double portion of his anointing. And uh, I believe the days that are coming are better than what we've been. And that's a great sign for our church for you and so i love you uh grateful for all that you've done congratulations on an amazing milestone of transitioning from cdc to the church plant and just want to say that what i really appreciate about your leadership in cdc is how much you enfleshed the gospel um christ came to give life abundantly and you have such a passion to see lives improved uh, that they might have life abundantly. And so I just want to thank you so much for your leadership in that way. And Red, when we started New Life Fellowship uh, in 1987, uh, there was no question that we would also begin at the same time with the Community Development Corporation. It was, it was some part and parcel of the vision of what the church was about in the community. Uh, but until you took over as an executive director, it was, you know, we were floundering around. Uh, but you, uh, over these last 10 plus years, have really put flesh into what was really dreams and visions mm -hmm. that we had for many years. Uh, I speak on, on behalf of all the leadership in your life, and you have just done an amazing job from the time you began with a, quote, listening campaign to find out what really the needs were the community, to actually digging in and uh, enabling your life to actually penetrate Elmhurst Corona in ways that you have uniquely done so thank you very much and congratulations on mm -hmm. just a stupendous job that you have done over these years mm -hmm. thank you hey red i just want to take a moment to just thank you for all the ways that you serve new life over these years um you have done everything from soup to nuts you have been a blessing to our community development corporation and just on a personal note you have just invested in so many people here in our community in ways that are so impactful we love you and I'm so thankful that this is just another chapter in your life and that you continue to be here with us. So thank you, Red. We appreciate you. Hi, Red. Um, more than six years ago, you called me and asked me to consider being a board member on the New Life CDC board. Um, we talked about wanting to have an educator represented, especially one that worked in Elmhurst. And I, to be honest, thought you were a little bit crazy asking me to be a board member with very little experience in that arena. Um, and here I am, more than six years later, uh, leading the CDC board. And it has been a great opportunity um, to work so closely with you for all of these years. Um, not only to oversee your work as executive director, but also um, 
to have you invest in us as a board um, and definitely a board that needed a lot of growing and challenging and um, to invest in me as an individual. I appreciate you. I'm so thankful for you and how hard that you've worked to grow um, New Life Com Community Development Corporation and how you have been working to grow New Life East and working with you on that. And um, we just pray all the best for you. Hi, Red. I do appreciate your heart for the poor and the lost, which it has challenged for me to be other center. So, salamat, Red. Red, I just love how you speak for so many who live in Elmhurst and how you just ask great questions. And of course, finally, the awesome t-shirts. Love you. Hey, Red, I just want to thank you for your years of service with the Community Development Corporation and just all the work that you've put into it. It's been an honor to serve with you these past few years on the board. And just on a personal note, um, as someone I greatly admire, uh, when I think of uh, people who walk their faith and live their faith, think of you, Red, and just the trust that you put in God, um, whether it be uh, in the macro, in the promises he's given you for this community, or the micro and just the belief that you can walk up to people and just change their lives. And I've seen you do that. Uh, it is a unique blessing. And uh, you were someone who's really left an impact on this church, on this neighborhood. And God bless you and the lives you'll be touching as you move forward in, in your next in your next station of life in Christ. Uh, thank you, Brian. Well, Red, um, we're incredibly grateful for you. And I've mentioned this to you. you personally. I've mentioned this to you in our staff meetings. Uh, and I've mentioned it to you uh, in, in front of our congregation, just how grateful we are for you. Uh, when you came in uh, some 10 years ago, um, our CDC was making great progress. And we had done great ministry prior to that. Uh, and through your leadership, you took us to the next level. Uh, many other families, thousands of families impacted because of your visionary leadership, your apostolic anointing, your ability to empower others. And so um, I'm incredibly grateful for you. And uh, in this moment, these transitions are difficult in a pandemic because typically what we do is we make an announcement like this and then we go down to the lobby and everyone will be hugging and kissing and just we have cake and everything like that. Uh, but we don't have that. This is what I like you to do. Those watching online, however, if Red has blessed you and you are appreciative of his leadership, uh, he'll see this later. But on the Facebook chat, if you're on Facebook right now, uh, just write some words of appreciation for Red. You. What you would tell him in the lobby, if you would see him. Uh, say that online, and then he'll go back to it and read your comments. I think that'll go a long way in encouraging Red for all the great work he's done. But I want to pray for Red, and uh, and by praying for Red, we're also thanking God for Aya uh, and Amber and Violet and the girls. And I'm thrilled that Red is transitioning into a new role, uh, but we want to thank him for the great work that he has done. And so uh, it's our tradition when we pray for someone at New Life that we extend our hands to them. And so wherever you're at right now, whether you're extending your hands to your phone or extending your hands to your television, uh, just extend your hands as a sign of blessing. We want to pray for Red, and then we're going to go into a time of communion together. And so, Lord, we bless you and we thank you for our brother. Uh, we thank you for the ways that he has led faithfully over the past decade in this capacity. Lord, we thank you for his heart that embodies really the good news of the gospel for the poor and the ways that he has led us in word and in deed. We pray now that you would now fill him with a new anointing for this next season. Yes, thank you. And that much fruit would flow from his leadership and flow from his life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are at work in him and through him. We thank you, Lord, for all that's going to come in uh, the CDC. We thank you for Tiffany and sending her our way. And we pray your blessing over her as well as she steps into this role. 
Uh, but Lord, uh, bless Red. Give him a double portion of your spirit for what's to come. We bless him and his family. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone watching said, amen. Thank Thanks, you. my brother. We'll put a pause on social distancing. Yeah, here we go. Uh-oh. Thank you. Did you wash your hands before that? Uh, we're going to go into a time of communion now. And uh, I want to invite you just to uh, take out the bread and the cup. And I want to lead us in a time, first of all, of confession. And then a time of, of receiving communion uh, together. There are many things that Red said in this message that I'm encouraged by and challenged with. And when we come to the table of communion, we are reminded that Christ has a way of showing up in simple, ordinary ways. This is when we come to the table, we are reminded of that in the bread and the cup, in the simplicity of bread and the simplicity of the cup, Christ comes. So I want to give you just about 20 seconds of your own confession privately before God. How is God speaking to you to do the things and be the kind of person Red talked about in this message? And then we'll pray a prayer of confession and, and receive the bread and the cup together. But let's take about 20 seconds of stillness and silence. Let's pray this prayer of confession together. Almighty God, our heavenly father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done and what we have left undone. For the sake of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord Jesus what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. And as the people of God, let's just pause for a moment to receive the body of Christ. Paul continues in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. As the people of God freely forgiven by the love and the blood of Jesus Christ, let's all receive together. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your gifts. We thank you for the bread and the cup. And we celebrate the ways that you are at work in the world. As we close our service, I wanted to give one last announcement. And so thank you for just your patience in our, our service today. It's a unique kind of service, but I wanted to make an announcement about just our reopening. We're going to be reopening our church in a limited way, much like we did uh, in the month of August and at, at, in July for four weeks. And so beginning September 20th, beginning September 20th, 
uh, for four weeks, we're going to be opening in a limited way, much like we did before. There'll be social distancing in the room. Folks will be required to wear masks and such. There will be a registration uh, process, so you must register. Uh, we're going to be opening it up to everyone every week. And so whoever registers first will be able to join us for a time of worship. Uh, and it's important that you register because uh, in the event uh, that there might be community spread or something along those lines, it's important that we're able to contact you. And so we're doing this for uh, your safety. This is about wisdom. This is about being prudent. Uh, but we want to uh, worship again together. And we're going to do it for four weeks. And much like we did uh, earlier in uh, this year, just a month ago or so, we're going to discern, is our community responding? Uh, are folks actually coming? And uh, we'll decide whether we're going to continue, take another break, and then continue again. And so we'll do it for four weeks, after which we might continue or we might take a pause. We're, just, we're discerning God as we go like much of the rest of the world is. And so just be mindful about that beginning September 20th. Lastly, uh, we have our virtual lobby. Uh, our pastors are there. So if you want to connect with one of our pastors or staff, feel free to do that on our, uh, there's a link there on the Facebook page as well as on our website. We also have a virtual prayer room. So feel free to uh, take a look at that prayer room as well. If you want prayer for anything that's coming your way, uh, click on that link. And for those of you who've never said yes to Jesus Christ, uh, we want to serve you in making a decision. And so if God is tugging at you today, uh, feel free to text yes to Jesus uh, at that number, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors will be in touch with you to help you uh, move forward in this decision. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the truth that the good news is good news for all, especially the poor, the poor in spirit, the economically poor. And may you be an extension of the presence of Jesus Christ to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all. See you next week.